Amen. We're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse 24. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24. And um, uh, if you miss all the uh, Colossians in the past few weeks, I just encourage you to go and, 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 and uh, uh, listen to it. It's on podcasts, it's on YouTube, it's on um, Google Cast or whatever. So pick whatever and, um, and uh, just, just review it. I think it will be a blessing to you. Verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, watch this, this is very controversial, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's suffering or Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. Now let's just pause here. That's a very, very bold statement he just made. He said, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. Is Paul saying that Christ's affliction is not good enough? That he needs to do something to make it whole. Doesn't that read that to you? He says, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is the church. I thought when Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, he declared that it is finished. That's the reason why we take communion every Sunday is that because he had finished all that needs to be done. No? So what is Paul talking about is that he is filling up what's lacking in Christ's suffering. What is there else? What else is there to do apart from the fact that God has completed everything? Why is Paul saying, I'm filling up with what is lacking in Christ's affliction as though Christ's affliction is not good enough? This has been the, the thorn in my life. I, I'm trying to understand that for the longest time. And so when I was doing a study this week, I said, God, I need to understand it. I'm not just going to skip over this. I need to get understanding on this. I pray that you reveal it to me. And so let's read further what he meant by that. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. To do what? To make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to the saints. To the saints God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of mystery, that is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, what Paul is saying is this. No matter how complete the work of the cross is, and it is very complete. If nobody would go out and talk about it, all the work on the cross would be completely useless. Are you here this morning? If God had died on the cross for you and I, and that nobody knows about it, it's a top secret. Well, guess what? Then it's still lacking because nobody would receive salvation. Nobody would receive forgiveness. Nobody would receive what has been given to them. And so it's still lacking. That's why Jesus commissioned his church at the end when he, before he went up to heaven, he said, you go with you to all the nation to preach the gospel. 
Baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus commissioned his church. Why? Because without the church telling the world the grace of God, and you've experienced the grace of God, and the church has experienced the grace of God, if we don't open our mouth to share what it needs to be shared, the mystery of God, the mystery throughout ages that have been kept from the saints of the past, but now revealed in this New Testament era, this mystery, if we don't talk about it, nobody will know about it. I know a lot of people say, if God is going to save them, he's going to save them anyways. That is not true, because if that's the case, then Jesus would not have commissioned his church to go and preach the gospel. The fact that Jesus is commissioning his church to preach the gospel before he left is to tell us that what he had done is not sufficient until you and I, the church, speak about it. Tell people about it. Now let's move on what, he, what he's doing in terms of fulfilling what is lacking or feeling what is lacking in Christ's affliction. This is what he was doing. Oops, sorry. He said, him, we, that is Christ, number one, we proclaim. So we have to proclaim the gospel to everyone. If you don't proclaim, nobody will know about it. You say, I really don't know how to proclaim. I, I'm not gifted in that area. Fine, I'll give you that because a lot of people say I'm introvert. But you know, you can share your faith in different means. As easy as just liking us on Facebook so that people know about the preaching, that's a big step and most people are not willing to do it. Or liking whoever that you think is preaching the gospel. You know, we have a sister here. Um, that's Andy, Hector's wife. She, is, she specializes in, um, I don't know, what do you call it? <laughs> Social media marketing, right? And that's, that's, that's her bread and butter, bless God. She's using her skills now to help us to start a campaign. Nobody in this church will know about it because, you know, I think they selected people who attend like this church and it will not see the campaign because we're not reaching the people who are reached already. We want to reach the people who are lost and do not know Christ, do not know this church. She's using her skill to preach the gospel. Now, God has given some of you amazing skills. I don't know what that is. But that skill is there so that you can use what God had given you that he had not given anyone to preach the gospel or to share or to proclaim or to let other people know, in other words, the goodness of God, the grace of God. You know that a lot of people think that what we believe in this place and the things we preach is all about bondage, restriction, burden, religious, um, uh, religiosity, and, 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 and rules. And, you know, that's what a lot of people think of us like that. And yet, in the same time, they are struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling in their lives. During this COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of people who are under depression. They need to hear the good news, and nobody knows about it, and they don't know anything about the good news, but they are suffering depression on their own. Can you believe it when, if they can hear that voice of the goodness of God, 
that is not there to judge them, that is not there to condemn them, but is there to love on them, to just, just, just to embrace them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the power of the Word of God that can set a person free and can cause a person to make a decision from killing himself to turn his life around and give his life to Jesus? You are able to do that. I'm able to do that. Whatever tools God has given you, maybe not social media, maybe not even preaching like me. You know, I'm a talker. I like to talk, right? But who knows what God has given you? Say, God, I, I, I want to use what you've given me to do, to fill up what is lacking in your affliction, that is to preach and proclaim your word. I want to proclaim your word in however ways. You don't have to stand in the street corner to do it. There's a lot of ways you can proclaim the word of God. Be creative. You know, I see a lot of, uh, if you're on Facebook or social media or Instagram, you know, I see a lot of people kind of post pictures uh, that have statements. Some of you have done that, right? Picture have statements. You know, some people are posting pictures of, you know, statements with kind of some kind of jokes, which is funny, kind of get, let you laugh a little bit, you know, or, or um, post some, uh, you know, little puppies, you know, how they're so cute, you know, do fun, funny things. And that's great. But I just pray that God will give you amazing wisdom to use whatever that you have to share the goodness of God. Don't be long-winded because I think in social media they say they, you know, people only give you three seconds and then if they, if they can't handle it, they'll just, just move on, right? But you don't have to be long-winded. Just, just share a word of truth. God loves you. Just proclaim the goodness of God. Some young people in TikTok, although I think TikTok is kind of on its way down according to the news, you know. <laughs> you know, but you know, you're dancing or whatever. I'm so glad a couple of you use TikTok just to share your faith, which is awesome. Don't have to be religious about it. I mean, don't, because you turn people off. But share freely of the goodness of God. Proclaim Christ the hope of glory that is in you. Would you do that? And the second thing that he's doing is that he's warning everyone and teaching everyone with wisdom. You know, that's called discipleship, right? He's warning everyone and teaching everyone with wisdom so that they can present everyone mature in Christ. You know, it doesn't matter how old you are as a believer, we are all candidate to make disciples of other people. You could be a Christian for three months or six months. You can actually start discipling people. In fact, let me tell you this. My personal growth in Christ grew the fastest and the most when I start to make myself available to disciples other people. You know, just sitting there and listen, it's great. You can grow, you can grow. But I'll tell you this, the most effective and powerful way for you to grow is to make yourself available to make disciples of someone else, someone who is younger. I heard this week that there was a young Christian, you know, he'd just been a Christian for no longer than one year or a year and a half. And then he, was start, he, was, he started to disciple a Christian that's just been around for a couple of weeks, you know. I thought, this is amazing. You know, in some other, in some other, uh, in some other circles, they would say, oh, you need to go to Bible school. You know, you need to do this, you need to do that. Nonsense, because every single one of us have something to contribute and add to people's lives. So that people, we all can go to the 
place and get to the place of maturity. It's supposed to be like children, just, just, just eat milk, you know, all the time. You know what milk is, right? Processed food. Processed food. Milk is processed food. You know what processed food spiritually mean? Processed food spiritually mean is, is, is very soft. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, like baby, baby food, right? Very soft, very tender. You know, you never choke on it. You know, they process it. You know, but you know, God wants you to have solid food. That is, you can handle it. A lot of Christians can handle solid food. They can choke on it and they just say, oh, offended and twisted like a pretzel. And then they just walk away and offended with God, offended with the preacher. But God wants us to be so mature that, man, I tell you, we can handle solid food, you know. And you know how you get there? It's to disciple one another. And that's what small group is all about. That's what all the discipleship class is all about, is that we can disciple other people. And I want to encourage you. It doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, you can have a small group. You can't just be, I know this is COVID-19, you don't want to invite people to their home because, you know, like, you know, people have to wear masks, whatever, right? And especially when the fall comes, you know, but, you know, just figure out a way that is creative, that you can actually have a coffee. I was just reading this book, you know. Uh, this, this, uh, this politician, you know, um, uh, it's, a, it's a United States senator, you know, and he, uh, he was just uh, writing a, a commentary of a book that I'm reading um, that, um, of, of a pastor that just wrote this book. And uh, this, this, this senator, his pastor is the fellow who wrote the book, and, and he was saying that, you know, he said that when he was a young politician at, as a city, at the city level, you know, just being elected as city council, he approached his pastor and said, I, I just really need your help to be my spiritual guide. And he said this pastor's promise that he would spend one hour or two hours with him every single week for coffee. And he said, you know, as a politician, he had learned so much and grew so much until today when he is a senator in the United States Senate, he still meet with his pastor once a week. And that tells me this, the most valuable discipleship time is not me talking to you, is that we sit together and we share and we love on each other and, and, and we advise each other. We encourage one another. That's discipleship. Well, anyways, and let's move on. Okay, and let's go to, uh, let's, let's now, now Paul says that he was warning everyone and teaching everyone and proclaiming the truth. Now, how, how does he do that? What does he do that? Let's go to chapter 2 now, and let's go to verse 1. So this is how he filled up what is lacking in Christ's affliction. He said, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea, for all who have not seen my, me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged. Paul struggled, preached, and do all that he could do. Why? Because he wants to see that their hearts be encouraged. Let me tell you this. Whatever you do in terms of discipleship, listen to me very carefully. Whether you're a pastor, teacher watching this, or you are just a believer, mature believers, is that every single time when we disciple one another, the end goal is not to cause a person to be more depressed after talking to you than before he talked to you. The end goal is to lift people. Everybody say lift a person up. 
You know, every time I need disciples, somebody is to encourage them. You want to encourage your brothers and sisters. When you have a discipleship class, don't go spread fear, some theories or whatever that cause people to be fearful. That's not your job. That's the job of the devil, is to cause people to be fearful. Some of the Christians are preaching a lot of theories out there, a lot of stuff out there to cause fear. Would you stop that in Jesus' name? Your job and my job is to bring encouragement to lift our souls up and sit so that we can be all strengthened in our faith to love Jesus more, to want to pursue Jesus more, to encourage other people. Don't let them feel condemned. Don't let them feel guilty. That's not your job. How we can fill up what is lacking in Christ's suffering is to preach the gospel and disciple people so that they can be lifted up. And the second thing is so that we can, they can be knit together in love. To knit together in love. May I tell you, you want to encourage unity. You never want to tell people about some gossip to cause division. That's not discipleship. Every single time when you hear somebody being negative on any. You have my permission in Jesus' name to shut it down and say, it's enough of this conversation. Let's change topic. Let's not allow our mouth to ever, 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 ever be negative on anyone. Don't allow the person you talk to any opportunity to criticize anyone. It is not our job to judge. It's not our job to criticize. We are to keep our mouth shut and just encourage people. Never be critical, even if they're not Christians. Whatever topic you want to talk about, you may even want to talk about politicians or whatever. Let's stay encouraging. Let's stay encouraging. Don't be negative. Don't go to negative and knit together in love, especially for brothers and sisters. Man, I tell you, you, you know, Every single opportunity you have, I pray that by the end of the conversation we have with another person is that you will see that the church of God is knit together closer in love, not in suspicion. You know, we Christians, in the name of being discerning, it's not even a gift. Discerning is not a gift. If you, if you, if you, if you listen to my teaching, you know, a couple of months ago on the, seven, seven, the, the gifts of the church, the dis discerning itself is not a gift. Some people use the word discerning to criticize and gossip. Please don't do that. What you ought to do is to knit together in love, cause the church to come closer together. Why? So that we all as a church together can reach the full assurance, reach all the riches of the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God uh, God's mystery, which is Christ. In other words, we encourage hearts and build up others in love so that everyone, all of us, can reach a full potential. It is my interest to reach your full potential. It is my interest to see that you go beyond what you can possibly, in your wildest dream, can imagine. It is your job to do the same thing to the other people. There's somebody may start to, uh, talking to you, saying that I, 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 just, I just wish that God will bless me with the house. But by the time he finished the conversation, he would be so inspired to say that, I'm not just going for the house, man. I want to change the world. I want to change the world. And that ought to be our goal. That ought to be our desire. That ought to be our purpose together. 
Now, in whom Christ hid in verse 3 all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say that, verse 4, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Now, watch this. In Christian circles, there's a lot of theories being thrown around, especially these days. Theories about uh, people tracking you down, theories about 5G, theories about this, that, and the other thing. They're all fantastic theories. But I want you to listen to me, Christians. I want you to listen to me for those of you here. Whatever we preach as believers, whatever we say, let our focus of our preaching, teaching, sharing, and encouragement based on one thing and one thing alone, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because the Word of God says that it is in Christ that is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You want more revelation? You want deeper truth? You know, a lot of people are chasing revelation, you know. They chase this revelation here, revelation there. want to go deeper than here, deeper there, and so forth. But the only thing you, can, that you should get deeper upon is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Because there are a lot of people going to come to you, the Word of God says, that people may delude you with plausible arguments. In other words, have fancy theories about your faith. You ought to do this in his days, in Paul's days, what he was fighting against was all these people coming into the church and say, on top of salvation, you need to observe the law, you need to have circumcision, you need to observe the, 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 the moon festival or the new moon festival, and you need to observe this festival, this Jewish festival, and that Jewish festival. And Paul the apostle said, forget about all that, because focus your attention just on Christ. But today, it's not about new moon or whatnot. Today, about all kinds of other fancy things out there and people are talking about the second coming I love the second coming but I'll tell you this I know I'm guaranteed already because of the grace of God on me that I'm not ignorant about the fact that I'm the children of life I know I'm going to heaven so why talk about it oh we need to tell the world so that we can what scare them to become Christian we do not scare people to become Christian we tell them how good God is because it is the goodness of God that leads to repentance, not scaring people and fear that leads to repentance. That's not the right way. The right way is to share the goodness of God, the good news, how good God is, how awesome is, how awesome Christ is. You know, verse 5, I'm almost finished. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing. Why? To see your good order and the firmness. Everybody say firmness. Firmness of your faith in Christ. What's he talking about? This is our goal. This is my goal. Is that you are strong in your faith in Christ and Christ alone. Not get tossed to and fro by different doctrines. You know, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14. Paul the apostle said that we may no longer be children. Tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitfulness, in deceitful schemes. Friends, I tell you this, in these last days, there are a lot of voices and noises out there trying to grab your attention, trying to grab my attention so that we are distracted from what's the most important thing, 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. If people want to talk about conspiracy theories or political theories, you know, fine, just be entertained about that. But our focus, our preaching, our sharing, our encouragement should never, never, ever be anything outside Christ. So if you want to examine if those information that is coming your way, whether they are good for you, they're bad for you, they're healthy for you, they're unhealthy for you, use this discernment. Here it is. Are they talking about Christ or are they talking about something else? Are they talking about the grace that Christ has given you or are they talking about something else? What is it that they're talking about? Because you have the permission, in fact, the wisdom, or you ought to have the wisdom to reject anything else that is not Christ-centered. Reject it. You want to debate or whatever for entertainment, say, go ahead. But as far as, as your faith is concerned, focus on Christ. Because Paul the Apostle said, in Christ, hidden all the treasure of wisdom and revelation. There's no other treasure of wisdom and revelation hidden anywhere. You know, I like to preach Old Testament. You know, Old Testament has a lot of stories. But watch this. In my, if I preach Old Testament outside Christ, you ought to shut your ears. Because I always have to come back to Christ. Always got to come back to Jesus. Because He is the most supreme of all. We talked about it last week. He's the one that created all things. He's the one who controls all things and holds all things together. Nobody else. So in Jesus' name, I want to encourage you. You know, this morning you're sitting here. You may be carrying some burden in your heart from different issues in your life. There's some, some, something that you're burdened with. There's something that you want to, 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 to figure out. This is what I encourage you to do. Instead of pursuing different theories of different things, go back to Christ. You say, how do I get all the wisdom and revelation? This is how you get it. It's you come to Christ and you say, Father, I want you to reveal more of Jesus to me. Can you all stand, please? Let's pray together. This morning, for those who are watching on the internet, for those who are here, I want to ask you this question. Have you been distracted in your desire, sincere desire to pursue deeper things of God that you got distracted into different things and then you've forgotten about the focus that is Christ in you, that, that where all the treasure of knowledge and revelation and wisdom is hidden. And I pray right now, if you're distracted, that you will refocus again unto Jesus. You know, I said in the first service, I'm going to say it again. A lot of people ask us this question. What is Willowdale Community Christian Center all, all about? In fact, what is Willowdale Life? This is the new church, new, new name of our church when we relaunch it. What is Willowdale Life all about? Four things. And I hope I made it clear this morning. Number one is so that people will know God. They will know God. And what we do every Sunday is to show that people will know God. Whether they're Christian or not, they will know God more. Are you here this morning? And number two is to bring healing to your soul. 
to cause you to be healed. You know, their pain in the past, their struggles, their hurts that have been inflicted on, on you by other people. God wants you to be healed. God wants you to be whole. He wants to heal you. And we want to do that. Everything we do, the preaching, the discipleship, is so that you can be whole again. Not feel bad about yourself, not feeling worse, but be whole again. And number three is to discover your purpose, who you are, what you're all about. Why did He wire the way He wired you? So that what? Number four, you can change your world. We're not here for ourselves. You're not standing here for yourself. You are standing here in your worship, in your giving, in your growing. It's for somebody else that will come after you so that you can change the world and make a difference in your lives. But all centered around knowing God. And who is God? Christ. 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 If you know everything else but Christ, you know nothing. But if you only know Christ, and you don't know anything else, you know everything. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you open our eyes. As Paul the Apostle prayed for the church in Ephesus, that you may open our eyes, that we may be enlightened and to know the depth, the width, the, the, the magnitude of your love, the height of your love that we will know you so well because knowing you means knowing everything